Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Hello and welcome to Headliner Radio, where we're delighted to be joined by Gina Rose Bruce, whose second album, Deep Is The Way, is released on January 27th. Uh, Gina, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you and whereabouts in the world are you joining us from? Hi, Dan. I'm very well, thank you. Um, And I'm joining you from Melbourne, um, Victoria, Australia. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, well, thank you so much for uh, for joining us today and for accommodating the time difference. Um, really do appreciate it. Um, now, obviously, we're, we're here to have a, a chat about the new record. Um, I was wondering if you could start by just telling us a little bit about how this album first started to come together, because you released your debut album back in 2019 uh which was you know i think it was sort of about midway through the year so we were a little bit away from covid and pandemic and everything that was to follow at that point um how different did it feel approaching the the making of this record compared to your debut because it's an entirely different world uh that exists between those two albums um how did how did things first start to take shape for for this second record I think with this second record, it was really more of a personal goal to just um, finish um, as much as many songs as I really could write. I didn't really actually have anything, like I wasn't like, I want to write an album like this or had anything really in mind. It was just at the beginning of the pandemic um just something to keep me going, obviously, because all the touring had stopped. I lost my part-time work and I kind of just needed a project to work on. And um, I think in my head I was planning to get into writing like far down later in that year and I'm like, I'm just going to get into it now. I've, I've got, a, you know, something to <laughs> work yeah. on. And, yeah, so I think in that aspect it was really just to keep me going and keep me, um, you know, working really yeah okay cool i mean how was it you know at at what point in in that timeline did you kind of set about doing this was this quite early on in in the pandemic or was this after you know months of you know because it's always interesting i think speaking to artists and songwriters about how they dealt with the pandemic because some people talk about how for the first you know however many months they were just completely bereft of inspiration just didn't really want to do anything because of the, the chaos that was unfolding and and everything that was happening whereas others found it a a bit of an escape and quite a therapeutic thing to kind of distract from what was happening and they had all that extra time on their hands so I was just wondering how that was for you. Totally I I think it was a bit of both I remember at the very start of it all I actually had a lot of inspiration because I think I didn't actually know how long we were gonna kind of live like this and I think I was just like yeah get through it you know everything will be fine. And then I think about halfway within like, you know, in just to let you know, you probably already know this, but in Melbourne we were actually in a hard lockdown for like 18 months, um, almost two years. So it was very long, um, necessary, but long. And I think about halfway through that I lost all inspiration. And then I kind of just didn't work on the record maybe for a few, a few good months and then it wasn't till kind of the ending of it. Even after we got out, I think that's when the inspiration came back to finish the record. But, yeah, it was definitely kind of like a bit of a up-and-down situation. Yeah. But did it impact the way that you 
that you write and create music at all? I mean, do you tend to typically write alone it, you know, anyway, or are you used to kind of collaborating with other people in a room? You know, how was it kind of was it was there any difference in the process of actually writing these records, or was that something that was kind of untouched by by what was happening? I think it was more in the terms of. I like I think as well as something I did to cope was really actually kind of shut myself off from um you know any kind of social media I had to stop the news for a while and I think really my inspiration was only drawing from um not not I wasn't really listening to a lot of music to be honest and I felt like it was a time where usually I'll listen to artists, I'll get inspired, I'll, you know, see what's happening and all these inspirations are coming from everywhere. Mm. But with this record, I was actually reading a lot of books and I think the words really um, inspired me to write more. So it was more of um, an outlet lyrically, I think, was really the big focus for this record. Okay. That's really interesting. Yeah. What kind of books were you reading? I was reading <laughs> there was a lot. <laughs> But there was one that stood out to me. Like, I didn't actually particularly like this book. I just kind of picked it up on the bookshelf. It was um, Revolutionary Road. Um, I can't remember the author now, and I feel bad. Um, But it was about a 50s kind of housewife stuck at home with really, like, feeling like she's just kind of craving for her life back and she's really lost herself in this kind of domestic setting. And I felt really like I could relate to that in a scary way um, because my partner was still working and I was at home and then just kind of felt like I really lost lost my way and, like, didn't know how to kind of dream anymore or kind of, yeah, and I felt really, tra- like, kind of trapped. And I think that kind of character comes out a bit in some of the lyrics of my songs. Okay. That's really interesting. I mean, did that, did that almost kind of, I don't know, inspire you to start making things happen a little bit, kind of having that sense of that, that almost compounding the sense of feeling a little bit trapped and, you know, kind of limited in what you were able to do at that point. Did, did that in some ways give you a little bit of a, I know a little bit of an urge to to kind of go right. I yeah. need to actually make something happen. I've got to do something. I've got to make something. Totally, got to kind of claim my own thing again. And yeah, absolutely. Because then I kind of set um, set like a structure for myself. I was like, I'm going to write between these hours, and I'm going to do this, you know, um, and like take it kind of as a work or yeah, just kind of had something for myself really. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I mean, once you had the the ideas and, and you know the the kind of core of these songs written, what was the next step in that process for you? Were you able to kind of get into a, a studio somewhere and actually work on it in a physical space, or were you still at this point kind of doing things remotely and working with people in a yeah. like, over email? What, we how did it kind of all like literally like with the nuts and together. bolts of the record come together? Yeah. So. Once I had kind of really got a good chunk of everything that I was happy with, I recorded just everything on my iPhone um, and sent it to the producer, Tim Harvey, who I was going to work with. I worked with him on my last album, so I just knew that he was the one to do this one. Um, And we were still locked out at that time, but we actually met up at our, like, local park. We could meet there. 
Um, and we sat through and listened to all those demos on my phone and just like wrote, like went through every song bit by bit and kind of just explored and, and kind of created out loud thinking. Um, and then I went back and kind of worked more on that. And then it wasn't literally wasn't till like a few months later till we could actually be in the same room together. Um, and that's when Tim and I could just put down some really good demos together um, and work on, yeah, like putting instruments to what, you know, this is still demo and kind of just exploring. And then again, it wasn't like, I remember we did that in like November. It wasn't till like February, like March, that we could actually get a band together and start working in a room with people and recording. Um, and that's, yeah, all kind of happened in a week. And then a week in, we had to go into another lockdown. <laughs> so then it was on pause again. But then we all got back. I think it was only like two weeks or three weeks after that. Um, and we were able to actually finish the record. So recording in the studio really only took two weeks. Cool. I mean, how did it feel to finally draw a line under it? Because it feels like, you know, from essentially beginning work on it to when it, when it finished, it must've felt like quite a long period of time. Did it, how, how kind of liberating and exciting did it feel to be able to kind of go, right, that's it. That's the record done. Now we can start looking at whatever we want to do next, you know, whether it's promoting it, touring, whatever, you know, to, to kind of, finally have it completed that must have been quite a quite a relief i guess in some ways as well as well as being quite an exciting sort of you know moment of uh, of, of happiness totally. too yeah it was i felt really proud and i think it's just so cool to see what comes out of the end result and then also listening back to like what you kind of originally recorded um and yeah it it, it just feels yeah like you just feel really proud and excited i guess and I felt, yeah, I definitely felt relieved and was like, oh, you know, yeah. I, I feel like my mind was like, I could just shut that, you know, got to get this done sort of off in my head and yeah. <laughs> relax a bit. Amazing. I mean, I know there are a couple of tracks on the record, uh, the title track and uh, Foolishly in Love, I believe, which were co-written with Bill Callahan. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how that all kind of unfolded, how you came to to work with him and, and what kind of form those collaborations took. Totally. So someone, I think it was someone from my um, publishing team sent out like a thing to Bill because I, I had like a list of writers. I was like, I would love to work with these people. Um, and I've always, you know, been a huge fan of Bill Callahan. Um, and someone sent that out to him. Somehow they had his contact details um, and he wrote back and he'd actually already listened to my first album, which was crazy. And he was kind of, yeah, a fan, I guess you could say. Um, and then he got in touch by email and all our correspondence was actually just on email. Um, and I was just kind of talking to Bill about where I was at my writing stage. And we actually both hadn't really co-written before, um, like I think I, I was never really like I was a bit nervous about it and I think he just hadn't he was really just wanting to explore it give it a go and we were both kind of like not touring at that time so it just all worked out in that sense and so I sent Bill um a few verses and choruses and just like I'm stuck here like any thoughts and he just would come back with 
all these like lyrics and ideas I could put to the song and then I would work them in, send it back. And it was really just back and forth all, yeah, all via kind of letter writing. It was, it was kind of, it's actually crazy to think that you can write a song like that, but we did and it felt so natural and easy and fun. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, I think particularly for, you know, having not done too much in the way of, you know, co-writing before to co-write in that way, I almost wonder whether that's because on the surface, you know, one of the, not to dwell too much on, you know, pandemic related stuff because mm. everyone's spoken about that to death. But I think that <laughs> with, you know, a, a lot of people obviously were kind of forced during, during lockdowns and stuff to collaborate that way. And I know that people rightly said, you know, they, they couldn't wait to get back in a room and be there, you know, face to face with the person, you know, fleshing out ideas that way. But I also imagine there are some perks if you're not used to that kind of way of working to do it that way because there's less pressure. It's almost like if you're put in a room with someone for the first time musically and it's like, right, now we've just got to try and do this. I imagine that you you possibly would be a little bit less open, kind of free. I feel like you'd be less honest too. Yeah, you'd be a bit more guarded. and Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think by email, like, this is what I think. <laughs> I don't yeah. have to look at your face when I tell you this. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. I've, yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> I'm quite intrigued by that and, the, and the, the way that people approach collaborations. I mean, did it make you feel like that was something that you would like to do more of going forward? Or did it feel a little bit like, okay, that's just, that's kind of like a, a bit of a one-off thing. It worked out really nicely. Or did that kind of ignite a, a sense of, oh, this is great. I want to start collaborating more. That's a good question. Um, no, not necessarily. I think I was just like, yeah, like, wow, that that really worked for that. And, um, yeah, I was super happy with what I came out with. But I don't know. I don't know if I would jump straight back into it because I am such a solo writer. Yeah. But, however, I might. I might. <laughs> yeah. I wanted yeah. To, to, to touch on something you mentioned earlier where you, you said that you, for a period, you weren't listening to as much music. Um. I was wondering if, if since then there's been anything that's kind of caught your ear or inspired or excited you musically. Um, and then also just kind of looking back to your sort of more formative years as a musician and as a songwriter, if, if there were any kind of influences there that you feel you can kind of hear echoes of in your work or people that you may have inspired, even if it's not the sound of your music, like an attitude or an aesthetic that, yeah, mm. just wondering if, if, you know, both now and... It, you know in the past if there are any real if there are any names or records or whatever that have really kind of found their way into your songwriting process totally I think um yeah it's a good question I think growing up my parents are big music people and lovers so they always kind of had like the Beatles on the Stones on to like the Sex Pistols to just like kind of a real broad range um and I think that made me really open in terms of just exploring all kind of genres of music. Um, yeah, that's a really good question. I, I'm such a, like a, um, I'm a weird musician who doesn't get obsessed with other music. It's so weird. Like I listen to so much music and I think there's definitely like some that I'll continue to listen to like on repeat, um, which like, at the top of my head, I can say, you know, like I'm a huge Paul McCartney fan, ELO fan, um, love Patti Smith, um, PJ Harvey, 
but then I'm, I'm also like in love with like um, Roy Orbison and um, Billie Holiday and, you know, Etta James. And there's just, I think what I think I'm really kind of drawn to is really powerful vocal performances and like emotional vocals. Mm. And I think a lot of the singers I love are really emotional. And um, I think recently, like I, I love Angel Olsen. I think what she does with her voice is really emotional and powerful and I think that yeah that that's there she's a huge influence definitely and wise blood and um yeah gosh there's so many <laughs> yeah there's some some great names there I mean I find it, I was funnily enough yesterday I was listening to the uh to the the recent there's a couple of new tracks that wise blood has uh yeah. released and she's just She's got one of those kind of voices that it's incredibly timeless sounding. She almost sounds like she could be one of these great vocalists from, you know, 50, 60 years ago. She's got this voice Absolutely. that feels so familiar, but it's completely unique as well. And, um, yeah, yeah, she's, yeah, I've, I've found, you know, I thought her and last you know album was them. unreal. Yeah. yeah. As soon as it, like, as soon as you hear that first note, like, like that's why as well, like, that's Angel, you know. And I think, yeah, you just really feel like they're giving you, a lot of who they are within their songs and their voices. And I think that's really cool, really brave. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what, what for you is kind of sort of, I don't know, your your primary way of discovering music these days? Because that's something that I found quite interesting as well. I was talking to, yeah. I've, interestingly, there's, there's been a couple of, a couple of people I've spoken to recently who have said similar things about not necessarily just during the pandemic, but that they listen to music a little bit less now than they typically would almost as if they've had, I don't know, a bit of kind of streaming fatigue almost because there's this enormous yeah. like, wealth of stuff out there to listen to. And it's a bit like pe- people can almost find themselves in a position where they don't know where to start when it comes to looking for new music and stuff totally. like that. And I was curious to know yeah. if, if that's something that, you've encountered if you have a particular way that you search for new artists and even if it is through streaming platforms because that's another thing you know particularly i think in the in in the in the pop mainstream world things like tiktok have almost become like a primary way of discovering artists for some people which seems kind of unusual but i I guess that's becoming that's just going to increase you know social media platforms being a way of discovering music but yeah uh, that was a tangent um no no (laughs) <laughs> I well I've recently really it's happened a few times where I'm actually kind of discovering um like TV series soundtracks or movie soundtracks and I think that really gets me on a good kind of um is it loophole like I don't know if that's the right word like um kind of like you know I I rabbit go into hole. one kind of soundtrack yeah yeah rabbit hole yeah and then I get into that artist um and I find yeah recently I've really really kind of getting into that kind of because there's so many good soundtracks out there and like yeah. just like with the diverse range of um music on it so it's like you kind of just explore things you wouldn't think you'd ever come across because i think a lot of my spotify i feel like you know when it's like suggested artists i feel like it just kind of plays the same thing and it's kind of hard to kind of really explore n- new territories and i think yeah if you can kind of get onto like a show you like and then you yeah that way it's really you you come across all this new stuff you'd never check out yeah are there any that that kind of spring to mind that 
that you've got, whether it's individual yeah. tracks or artists or albums that that you found totally. through shows? Um, I really like. I don't know. I really like the new series of High Fidelity with um, Zoe Kravitz. I thought they had a really good soundtrack. Um, and this other one I just watched recently. Um, oh, man. Oh, it's called Come On, Come On um, with Joaquin Phoenix. That had a really cool soundtrack as oh, well. Cool. Yeah. Um and I remember liking ages ago the Big Little Lies soundtrack too. Uh, yeah, there, there's so much that kind of. Oh, and uh, I absolutely loved um, Minari. Is it? Um, have you seen that movie? I've not it's s- like, no, I've not seen that. It's it's very good. Uh, I think Brad Pitt directed it or something. But that that's a beautiful soundtrack. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, I, mm. I wonder if I feel like. It, that that whole world of you know whether it's licensing existing tracks for TV shows and films is becoming a little bit more of a way for people to kind of reach different audiences. I think people are becoming ever more aware of that, and also just like the the original soundtracks that are being made for TV shows now is quite. It, there seems to be a real focus on that. Things like um, uh, like SD Heim did the wrote a load of music for uh, the Netflix show Made. And uh, a load of the original music that was made for Killing Eve uh, was incredible. Yeah. There, there's a whole album made of, of the of the by the, totally. the guy who I've forgotten his name now. Terrible, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the, it was an amazing record, and um, it feels like more and more attention is being placed on on this now. Like, in, as a way of drawing people to, th- you know, I mean, th- there was the Stranger Things. Sync yes, with Kate yeah. Bush, which obviously was huge yeah. and took off in a in a massive way, and I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that's great. You know, if it if it attracts people to to great music and great artists that they may not otherwise have think. heard, you know, great. Totally, and like not to their own being, because sometimes it's just like, where do they hear this music if they're not hearing it? There's, you know, there's no kind of other sources bringing them yeah. that music. It's a really good good way. Um, yeah, yeah. I forgot about yeah, Stranger Things. Got a good yeah. soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, that was. Uh, I, I I remember seeing some kind of ridiculous criticisms in some quarters from people saying, "Oh, it's a bit, you know, being a bit snooty about the fact that like younger people are discovering Kate Bush for a TV show." And it's like, oh. who, who cares where it's coming from? You know, if they're listening to it, then it's good. Um, but yeah, I thought oh, that was, someone's always got something to say. <laughs> yeah, it seemed seemed pretty mm. ludicrous. Um, uh as for uh kind of getting out and playing live returning back to the record Mm. do you have any plans at the moment for getting out and touring this album and how much are you looking forward to getting out and actually playing these songs for people after working on them for so long so so much and (laughs) this is the one thing i really love about this album that it's so much fun to play live like especially with a band and i feel like i'm really kind of in that mode where i just want to kind of give a performance, have real, like a really a lot of fun on stage. And you can do that with these songs. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm so keen and we'll definitely be doing an Australia tour. Um, and I'm hoping to get to the UK in May to do some shows as well. Um, that's like a big goal of mine. Yeah. So I, I'm just like, want to go full steam ahead, ready to play, get out, back out there. And yeah, play music to people's faces and <laughs> yeah. see their reaction. It's great. Amazing. Well, 
Gina, thank you so much for, for joining us. It's been a real pleasure chatting to you and I've been really enjoying listening to the record as well. So, um, you know, c- can't wait to hopefully, yeah, see uh, see some live performances at some point and uh, hopefully catch you when you're in the UK. But uh, yeah, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. It's been really fun. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.